Welcome to Green Eagle Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Appleton, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And last week, we were all feeling much better about the performance of the Green Bay Packers. They lost, but they showed flashes. They lost on the road to a team that looks like it has playoff aspirations. Surely returning home to Lambeau Field, playing a team that has looked dreadful at times this year, um, the Packers would be able to get back on track and... They were pretty much pummeled pummeled by the terrible Indianapolis Colts. The final score was 31-26, but most of that comeback came during garbage time. Um, They did have perhaps a chance to win at the end, and of course it slipped right through their fingers, both literally and figuratively, and we'll have a chance to talk about that. But I think we have had some guarded optimism after that Dallas game, Dallas surely has uh, shown themselves to be a force to be reckoned with this year. And so I think we got our, a chance to talk ourselves into a false sense of security that everything was going to be all right. And after yesterday's game, everything is most decidedly not all right. Yeah, it was, it was a weird game, too, because you think if you lose that game, which I, I don't think anybody thought was an impossibility. Like, I think we could all foresee it happening. But I think the thing we thought was maybe Andrew Luck tears apart your secondary a little bit because you knew that was going to be a weakness and that's really their strength. But I, I know we felt good because their offensive line was so bad, but that really didn't play a part. And really their passing game, it, it helped them, but it wasn't the reason why they won. They just kind of overall dominated that game, and it's not something you expected to see from that, that Colts team. Yeah, if I would have told you yesterday that Andrew Luck would be 23 of 36 for 281 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions for a 74 passer rating, and only 15 yards rushing on seven attempts, you would have thought the Packers would have won comfortably. Mm -hmm. And instead, they take two interceptions from Andrew Luck. They only get seven points out of it. Um (sighs) they were only able to sack him two times. He had been sacked 31 times in the previous eight games. Wow, (laughs) that's a huge number. That's insanity. And they were as beat up in a lot of places as the Packers were, and so it's hard to use that as an excuse. I I mean, the team was accountable in a lot of the uh, interviews and press conferences after the game, but there's really no way to sugarcoat this one like you could for perhaps – uh, Atlanta or even Dallas or, or the Minnesota game, they flat out got beat. And I think it has everybody reassessing where this team stands. Yeah, I think so for sure. And I, I think this, I still feel like this team is much different than the one last year. And I, I just, I think after this game, we all 
sort of. I think people that were way down on them or were way up on them, I think, are just starting to realize that this is just kind of a middle-of-the-road team, that mm-hmm. we're not used to watching the Packers lose games like this because they always beat the teams they're supposed to beat. But it's just, I mean, these kind of games happen to regular teams that I guess, yeah. I, I'm start, it's, I'm, it's almost making me feel a little more comfortable because I know what the identity of this team is, and that's just, <laughs> it's kind of a week-to-week thing. It's like I don't expect great things, and it's just... I guess this is just what it's going to be. They're four and four, and that feels just perfect. Yeah, the kind of loss that happened yesterday is the kind of loss that you expect from the Indianapolis Colts, and what we pretty much saw from them against Kansas City a week ago when they were playing Nick Foles, just getting destroyed at home. And the Packers made a game of it at the end, and perhaps we give them some credit for that. But uh, to your point, or, or somewhat to your point, I had a lot. Of, there's disappointment, don't get me wrong, but I think it's it's not like it was last year, like you said, where they were 6-0 and and then went to Denver, and it just surprised everybody how big the talent gap was between the Packers and Denver when you had Super Bowl aspirations before that game started, and for the most part, those came crashing down uh, after that game. If not after that game, then at uh, some point in the next two weeks after the losses to Carolina and Detroit, depending on your optimism level, this year... I think we all kind of felt, and we've said it the whole time, that this is a team that might be 8-8, eight and eight, and where there's definitely some disappointment because and frustration because you have one of the greatest quarterbacks in history, you have a coach who's been uh, one of the most successful, if not the second most successful coach. Uh, coach. I said that really northern. Super Wisconsin. Coach, coach McCarthy. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's probably been... Uh, at, Maybe the second most successful, if definitely, inarguably, one of the five most successful coaches in the last 10 years in the NFL. And so there's disappointment there. However, from a fan standpoint, a lot of the anxiety that goes along with the Packers season has melted away for me. And now I can just watch without any expectations going forward. Yeah, that's how, that's kind of how I feel. That's, I guess that's kind of you... You uh, relayed that a little better than I could, but that's kind of what I meant when I, you know, I feel comfortable. It, like, it almost takes the angst away. Because, I mean, we haven't really felt this way about a team, you know, since probably like 08, 09, that, and even probably not since 08, I guess I would say, that you just feel almost comfortable knowing that this this is what the team is. You're, you're probably not going to win a Super Bowl. You're not going to be bad, though. Like, you could beat some good teams. You just kind of take it a week at a time and just hope that the Packers do their best and not put these lofty, big expectations on Aaron Rodgers and on them just because it it's just not where they're at right now. So are we saying the key to happiness is lowered expectations? <laughs> it kind of seems that way. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'd rather have you know them going 16-0, and 0, but it, um, I guess it's a, kind of a weird feeling because we're used to this team always expecting such big things. They're always a contender, yeah. and maybe they still are to a certain extent, but it's just... It's much, much different, and they're just so much more average just across the board for the entire team. Well, they're a contender in as much as that there really are no other contenders in the yeah. NFC. You have the Cowboys, who are definitely the most fundamentally sound team in the NFC, but they, I mean, I like what they've been doing, but they have one and done written all over them as a one seed, don't they? At it, least it seems that way. I, I'm starting to get turned a little bit, but it, yeah, they sort of still feel that way. And and they definitely could surprise us. They're clearly the best team, at least as it stands right now. But you said the 16-0 and line, and instantly popping into my head is how little I enjoyed the 2011 season when they're the defending Super Bowl champions. They won 13 in a row after winning their last six in 2010. And every single game, it just felt like a crisis of, you know, almost like a, a life crisis when they would fall behind because you were so nervous about them losing because you had forgotten how miserable that felt. And now that they're, 
a chance to lose every week, it just kind of numbs it all. And uh, maybe it doesn't feel quite as exhilarating if they win, but at the same point, it's certainly, uh, I, I don't feel that bad today <laughs> that they lost. It, it it was annoying, but I was over it by about 8 o'clock last night. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, but let's dive in that a little bit more. Um because it, certainly there are some disturbing trends, and one of them was another loss at Lambeau Field. And Corey Bend, in a comment uh, that we'll get to later, brought up the number that the Packers, uh, first of all, are eleven and, or, I'm sorry, nine and eleven in their last twenty games. And uh, I would assume this is from the the demarcation point being the San Diego game last year after they had started six and zero, and the f- they are four and five since that point at home, and so. I looked some up some numbers. So they were four and five in their last nine at home. From the after the Brett Favre loss in the midpoint in two thousand nine, which people love to make the comparisons with the Packer team. I think as far as the last time we felt like this, I think that midpoint of two thousand nine after they lost to a winless Buccaneers team and they were four and four and you felt like they had talent and they could maybe make a run but you weren't expecting it. I think that's probably the last time we felt like we do right now appropriately. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but this is just to put into reference how bad they've been at Lambeau Field compared to what they had been. So they're four and five in their last nine games at Lambeau Field from that far from the uh, Dallas Cowboys game after that Tampa Bay loss in 2009 until the San Diego win last season. They were 44 seven and one at Lambeau Field, and so they have lost almost as many times since last November at Lambeau Field than they lost from November of 2009 to October of 2015 at home. And here's the big thing. I know a lot of that's hard to follow, but they are allowing 19 points per game at home at Lambeau Field. That's the exact same number they were allowing at home in that 45-7-1 stretch. The difference... They're scoring 21.5 points at home the last nine. They were scoring 31.5 points wow. in those previous 51 games. Or, I'm sorry, 55 games. Wow, that's that's a crazy drop. You don't expect to... I mean, the 19, I'm a little surprised at even in the past. That and when we were always complaining about the defense. But 31 is really good, but obviously 21 isn't isn't that great. Yeah, and and would suggest maybe they're a little unlucky lucky if they're outscoring the teams by two on average and they have a losing record, but that would seem about right. You're playing close to everybody. They're going to steal some from you. Yep. Um, and also, this is kind of the one that maybe we'll take it here because everybody wants to assign blame, and I guess what else is there a point for a show like this if you're not going to do that? The offensive passer rating in that 44-7-1 stretch was 107.1. So that's mostly Aaron Rodgers and throw in a Matt Flynn and a Scott Tolzien in there. The passer rating in the last nine games at Lambeau Field for the Packers quarterbacks, which is almost exclusively Aaron Rodgers, 88.9. And their defensive passer rating is actually better. The defense has held opposing quarterbacks to 72.8 passer rating in the last nine games. And in that uh, 44-7-1 stretch, they were holding opposing passers to 75.2. So the defense is uh, allowing about a half a point more. Um, it's 19.2 to 19.5 if you're getting a, if you're writing this down at home. But the defense basically has been exactly the same um, this nine game stretch as they were in that big time stretch. And Aaron Rodgers is playing about 20 points worse. 
Which I guess isn't a surprise to you know all the criticism we've been hearing either. But at twenty points is obviously that's a, a major difference. Even with how much the play has dropped off, you don't expect to see that big of a difference. No, and so let's talk about this because we are seeing a lot of talk, and we have for a while, but especially now about Mike McCarthy and the possibility that he could get fired. And we've talked about a lot of these in the past, but to me, he's obviously a part of this offense completely falling off a cliff, and I don't know if I'll ever understand why they so dramatically changed as a team after the bye week in 2015. And to tell you the truth, they probably don't know either, if you ask them. But I think McCarthy's getting his fair share of the blame. But when people start talking about him getting fired, I, I, I mean, he's been to the playoffs eight of the last nine years, seven straight years. He's won a championship. He's been to two other conference championship games. Um, I'm very frustrated with him. And maybe I'm starting to see that they're going to need a change. I've already said I don't believe that he's going to win another Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers and Ted Thompson. But from protecting the job standpoint, as far as making it appealing to future coaches, how could you fire him even after, like, let's say they don't win again this year. Unless there's some kind of thing that comes out that he's like not putting in the effort or him and Aaron Rodgers hate each other. If the team is the same kind of malaise that they were yesterday for the rest of the year and they end up 4-12, and I still don't know if that's enough to get McCarthy fired. And I don't know if it would be fair to fire him after that. Well, I, I mean... We we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but I I mean there seems to be a turn time for coaches where at some point it just kind of as good a coaches as they can be it just doesn't work as well, and I think the the reason for that would be the angst over knowing you know you have a declining Aaron Rodgers near the end of his prime and you you want to try to squeeze more out of it and it's clearly not happening right now and you know with the, the roster in place you don't really see a whole lot more upside from that either I don't think um, you know sometimes people just make changes to see if it helps and sometimes it doesn't sometimes it doesn't. Uh, mm-hmm. it's it's hard to say if it's fair or not because it's the NFL and coaches get fired all the time yeah. and, and winning coaches with great history. So I, it's hard to say it's unfair. I, and I'm, I'm, I'm almost like curious to see what would happen if there was a change. So that's kind of why I almost want to see it. Mm-hmm. I guess I would lean towards if this season is a, is a bust, I'd want to see what would happen with somebody else. At least then you know because, I mean, we haven't seen a different coach with Aaron Rodgers, so I'd be kind of curious to see how that would go. What is your definition of this season being a bust? Like, if you're in charge, imagine yourself being Ted Thompson. What would have to happen specifically from a record standpoint, from a team chemistry standpoint? What would it have to look like for you to get rid of McCarthy this year? Uh, I would think a, I would think definitely six wins or less would do it. I would put almost a certainty at that, I would think. But I think even with the pressure that's on now, I would think missing the playoffs might even do it. Really? I, oh. it, it's tough because it seems like they have such a good relationship. But I think this is really the first time, other than you know us local yokels talking <laughs> Packers, that you you really hear a lot of pressure on that. Yeah, and I think that's kind of when I think the front office starts to feel it a lot too. If you've got basically the same roster intact, and all of a sudden it's just not working and hasn't for a year and a half, it's hard to just keep going with the status quo. It, not like they're not trying to fix things. It's just not not working for them. You're saying us uh, local yokels haven't been uh, going for coach. <laughs> None of us listen. They never listen to us on our opinions on the head coach or anything. So it's, 
Oh, jeez. It's when the national media starts to catch a hold of these things. That's when we always kind of see these changes, with, especially with these like, long-term historic coaches that are all of a sudden kind of struggling. I feel like the national media has been after McCarthy in some quarters a while, but of course you've had the wackos that have been after Aaron Rodgers for pretty much his entire career, so I don't, I don't really know where to gauge that. But um, to me... If they miss the playoffs, I would not get rid of Mike McCarthy. If uh, Corey Ben brought up seven and nine, or we've brought up eight and eight a lot on this podcast, there's no way I would get rid of McCarthy after eight and eight. As much as just like you, I really am eager to see what would happen with these two apart. But then think of a guy like Jason Garrett, who Tony Romo, after 2013, was like the same age that Aaron Rodgers is now. They had gone eight and eight three straight years with an incredibly talented team. They had lost on the last day of the season the division three straight years, and they kept him. And they went 12 and four, were a weird call, and uh, five minutes away from potentially being in the NFC Championship game. Then they go 4-12 and and completely implode last year, albeit with Tony Romo out, and they still keep Jason Garrett, and now it looks like they're the best team in the conference. And if, if, so you have that, you have the case of Marvin Lewis, I can't, I'm hard-pressed to think of an example of a team recently waiting too long on a coach. Like, I, I can't, I cannot think of one where a team waited too long and it didn't, work out for them maybe Rex Ryan but I guess that's part of the reason why I'm saying I'm not shocked is because nobody waits too long like we would be the we might be the outlier if you know if he stays around after a bad year you gave a couple of examples but but that's why is most teams especially when you've had such a big sample size where it's like Garrett it was just a few years whereas we've seen you know the up and then a decline with with McCarthy now so I think that's a little bit different. You've seen so much of him, and you know what you're going to get. It's I don't think that all of a sudden it just just because of the coaching things turn around drastically. But then think of Sean Payton, who was hired the, like within the same week that Mike McCarthy was, and they go back and forth from eleven and five to seven and nine to twelve and four to seven and nine, and there doesn't seem to be any. Maybe I'm I'm not in tune to what New Orleans is doing, but it doesn't seem to be that there's that much call for his job, and he's wasting a Hall of Fame quarterback too. Well, they, he also won a Super Bowl in New Orleans, so I think he can basically hang around as much as he wants forever. I I think that's a different situation too. It's not you know the Packers organization with all this history. It's a team that had never won at all or barely made the playoffs, and they won a Super Bowl. I think that they you know they're. They're legends and heroes there forever. Breeze and, and Peyton can hang around forever, whereas, you know, we just won a Super Bowl 15 years prior to the one that McCarthy won. It's not like it was—and we've been winning for two decades. Yeah, um, I, I think you're right, but it's really—there's not that many people that was around here for all of that winning. It's essentially Wolf, Holmgren, Favre, McCarthy, Rogers, Thompson. I mean, that's your short list. I mean, it's not like it's—they are— Dallas, who was great with Danny White, and or they're not even a good example. Maybe like, you know, they're not the Yankees who went through three completely separate groups of people and managers and won world championships with all of them. I, I mean, I think you're right. It's definitely different than New Orleans, but they also haven't been to the playoffs seven straight years. I mean, that's one of the longest streaks in the history of the NFL, and I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'm defending McCarthy more than I really feel like he's the right guy for the job, but um, I feel that what happens, because this is, to me, maybe why I'm more on that, and, and maybe 
people have said this whole entire existence of the podcast that I'm unfair to Aaron Rodgers. But what happens if you fire Mike McCarthy, go away, you get Josh McDaniels or somebody like that, and Aaron Rodgers comes out on the first third and eight, and he has uh, eight guys dropping into coverage, and he stands there for 35 seconds and throws the ball away. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could easily see that happening. Right, and and I like kind of like you. You don't want to stand up for McCarthy as much. I don't really want to sound like I think he should be fired as much as maybe I'm coming across. But at the same time, it we both said we're curious. It's almost a little hard for me to swallow over the whole career of Aaron Rodgers to maybe just have the one coach and not know what could have been otherwise. You know, it's like it's possible that that's part of the problem, but you could possibly never know. And I just I feel like we've hit such a plateau that before you know Aaron Rodgers is completely cashed and out of the league. Yeah, it would just. It's just like I just want to see what it could be possibly with somebody else. Yeah, but was it worth finding out that Brett Favre is like a five through ten quarterback without Mike Holmgren instead of a number yeah. one quarterback with him? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. But I don't know. Yeah, it's it's so tough. And and not to completely change the topic, I I don't really blame McCarthy as number one culprit on this too. I I think it started it really make me angry yesterday. And I started to think about some of our recent draft picks and just kind of the lack of things to get excited about on this team. And just, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, you're, you're so used to having, you know, getting like Clay first or even like AJ and these guys that were early in the Ted Thompson career. Now you're getting like Jason Spriggs and Kenny Clark and Dayton <laughs> Jones that just seem to have no impact. And there's like no good young guys that are fun to root for. I mean, other than some late round picks and things like Ty Montgomery, mm-hmm. it's just. It, it's kind of taken some of the fun out a little bit. It's like, who do you root for on this Packer team now? Like, nobody's that exciting. I mean, Jordy, yeah, and it's just... Yeah. It's just, there's just, like, a lack of excitement and fan favorites, and so I think a lot of it is, is poor drafting, too, and a lot more on the GM, I guess, at this point, I'd say, than McCarthy, but I think um, I think we probably would see the change in McCarthy before a GM. Oh, yeah, absolutely, but to your point, you're, you're totally right. I mean, we get excited about guys like Ty Montgomery. I bet you... 25 teams draft a Ty Montgomery every year. I mean, you don't see the total washout Mike Sherman-esque drafts unless you're in Cleveland or Jacksonville or something like that. And the epitome of this Packer, I don't know, maybe since 2012 or 2011, the epitome of their picks was HaHa Clinton Dix yesterday. He got pulverized on the kick return for a touchdown. He comes back and makes two interceptions. And then with the game on the line, one-on-one, a first-round draft choice from the best college program that we've seen in a quarter century, one-on-one with a quarterback, and he can't make the tackle. And it costs him the game. And obviously it's not all on HaHa Clinton Dix that they lost the game, but there was your chance to win it from the defensive standpoint and put it in the hands of Aaron Rodgers and give them their chance to win it, and you completely failed. And it seems like this team is filled with guys who just aren't quite ready for prime time. And they, it's like a whole team of Vonnie Holidays. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good point. It just, they're all good. It just Yeah, if you're opposite great. Reggie White, it works great. If you're there to be the guy who has to rush the passer, you're in big trouble. And that's kind of how this whole team feels right now. So you mentioned um, maybe you don't think McCarthy's most to blame, and I feel like this is the the conversation we have every single week. Um, who is most to blame? It, it doesn't necessarily have to be the guy you want to get rid of or, or or change, but right now, what is the main problem? It that's a tough one because I think it's twofold. I think number one, I would say that 
is probably the talent, kind of the point I just brought up. I just think it's it's lacking a lot. I know they've got injuries, but that's it's every year, so you can't really blame that anymore. It's just going to happen. And, and obviously the decline of the offense and Aaron Rodgers is another thing too, which we've gone into that topic too many times. I don't even want to rehash it right now. But, yeah. um, I mean, I think those are the two main things is you've got a team that's not very talented, and then you had a guy who was carrying you for eight years, and now he can't quite do that anymore, and now you're seeing just how average this roster is. Yeah, I think it's, ugh. yeah, I guess I don't want to put anybody's feet to the fire too much. Um, everybody knows how I feel. I, I think Rodgers has to play better, but if they had a more talented team, I mean, the, the way Aaron Rodgers is playing right now is the way Brett Favre played in 2002 and 2003, and they were division champions every year. I mean, they were they were 12-4. and four. They were one bad Favre game away from first round or uh, uh, first overall uh, seed in 2002 when he had an 85 passer rating because they had a great running game and they had a opportunistic defense and some great wide receivers and it's tough because I think they they're missing the big time playmakers but I think that everybody kind of shares in that and maybe you have a higher expectation of Rodgers one of the things that really irritated me is uh, yesterday I, I watched the game away from home, so I had a, a long drive back to the house, and I got a ch- house. There's another freaking Wisconsin. <laughs> I had a, a chance to listen to a lot of post game, and one of the things they said is Aaron Rodgers has never been the same, or hasn't played well in his career when he doesn't have Greg Jennings or when he doesn't have Jordy Nelson playing like a number one right, wide receiver. And I think in theory that's sort of correct, but when I was thinking about Greg Jennings at his peak and Maybe I owe this guy an apology, but Devontae Adams played like Greg Jennings yesterday. Mm-hmm. He was getting open deep. He was getting open short. He was running crisp routes. He ran the Greg Jennings special, splitting the safeties down the middle of the field, and Aaron Rodgers overthrew him by four yards. It's, I think it's a, a huge combination of things. I think the talent level is not there to rescue Aaron Rodgers, but I think it's not his play is not being caused solely by the talent. And I know you're not saying that, but a lot of others are. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I, he's missing throws that he doesn't ever miss before. And you see those open routes, that deep post that they always hit, and they just couldn't hit it now. And it's just, it's it's unexplainable. And I, I don't know if we have any good reasons for it. And obviously we've been talking about this for weeks, but it just... It's it's off. The team's off. The quarterback's off. It's just we can just kind of pick apart what's to blame, but I guess it's just like everything right now. Yeah, and the, like I said before, I don't think the team knows what's wrong. Um, well, you give up a, an opening, the opening kick return. I mean, how how do you expect that? How do you fold on that? Like right starting into the game, you give that up. I mean, you, you held in there well enough, probably on defense to win yesterday, and possibly on offense. But you just there were so many other stupid things and big third downs you gave up and just situational football, and that's where they got destroyed. Yeah, I've, you're right. But on the other hand, too, is you said that the defense played well enough to win, but the last two weeks, and maybe this is another um, point for the people who want to get rid of Mike McCarthy, this has been the McCarthy Packers forever. The offense was dominant last week, and when they had the ball with a chance to win, they didn't. they couldn't do anything, and they lost. And Dom Capers' defense has flashed and has been good at some times, and they've invested a lot of draft picks in the defensive side of the ball. They played pretty well yesterday. They forced some turnovers. And then on third down with a chance to win, the quarterback slips through their fingers, and they lose. 
This is the team that, if the games were only 50 minutes long, would have the same record of the Patriots. And yesterday would have been different because they'd have got creamed if that were the case. But for the most part, this team is outstanding for 50 to 55 minutes. And maybe that 2014 NFC Championship game, that's a case study in the McCarthy, the McCarthy, Rodgers, Thompson, Packers. That is who they are. That complete game is exactly who they are. And uh, now that they don't get the ridiculous first three and a half quarters, it's really starting to come back and bite them. Yep. All right. So I, I, I mean, we're as puzzled as anyone, maybe even more puzzled than um, others. But, yeah, once again, they go over 400 yards and – they outgain their opponents, and man, um, what do you think of Indianapolis? Because I came away from yesterday just thinking the Packers aren't very good. I did not think anything more of Indianapolis. Yeah, I guess maybe you think a little bit more of them. They were at least able to keep Andrew Luck upright for the most part. I think that's been obviously their biggest Achilles heel, but I, at the same time, their offense didn't look super explosive, and Andrew Luck didn't look super sharp. Um, I, I think you kind of think the same thing, that they're going to basically win every other week for the rest of the season. Yeah. Well, and you got to respect that defense. You know, the, the, the Packers, they, they were cooking on offense, but what are you going to do? Now Indy, after that stellar game yesterday, has pulled to 30th in passing defense. <laughs> so it's it's hard when you run into a brick wall like that. It's just a juggernaut back there. Yeah, what could you do? Yeah, I, especially at home. I mean, that's that's really tough. On an unseasonably warm day with a high power, they really didn't have a chance. They ran into a buzzsaw there. They didn't expect it to be in the 60s yesterday. I mean, the throws you way off <laughs> they game planned for 38 and that's why <laughs> <laughs> okay so let's get to some comments uh so uh daniel johnson said oh this is a great point that we forgot to mention um he has some uh treble clefs that he made on the facebook comment i don't even know how you do that but that's kind of cool uh, i'm not going to sing it because i don't know what melody you're trying to go after but what would you do if you had third and two so is this like the klondike bar jingle perhaps um that he's trying to get us to say would you stand up and bomb it 30 yards downfield? Um, I made a comment on Twitter that got a bunch of upvotes or favorites, whatever the heck they're called on Twitter, that said that once again the Green Bay Packers are using the NFL Blitz playbook on third down because they always throw it way down the field. They must have done that four times yesterday. Yep. Um, for real, though, we get 500 and, or 405 yards of offense but still don't score a lot of points. Special teams and the Swiss cheese defense allow big plays. We were dominated by... Uh, but somehow made it close at the end. I posted a lot of topics last week, so we'll get to some of those. Um, so, yeah, uh, kind of what we've been saying, but that, yeah, I s- still don't understand their infatuation with the big play. It's been a year, and they're still not hitting them. You would think um, on third and two, you'd be better off trying to just pick up the first down, which is what they did against uh, Chicago and Atlanta, and it was very successful. Right, I don't think anybody's fooled by head anymore either. It, it works if you're catching somebody off guard, but it's just that's their go-to too. So it's it's going to work even less of the time than it already would on being a lower percentage play. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, and uh, Corey Bend had a um, kind of a long comment, but we'll uh, we'll get to that. I I wish I could act as surprised as you were, but I'm really not. I am not. This team is now nine eleven in their last twenty and four and five at home, and that includes a loss to the god darn Bears. <laughs> On Favre night last Thanksgiving, no failure feat would generally, uh, genuinely surprise me right now. We're going to Tennessee this Sunday, but if it were Cleveland instead, I'd be nervous about the game. A sad commentary to be sure, but to say otherwise would be in denial. Two weeks ago, I raised the possibility of a blow-up of the current regime and did so with a very sad feeling, like I was forcing myself to go 
uh, let go of something that was very precious to me, but now I'm sort of looking forward to it with perverse glee. Mike McCarthy, for reasons I can only guess at, appears to have scrapped what had been an effective scheme that allowed Aaron Rodgers to thrive while much of that supporting cast was sidelined. And what we saw yesterday, I'm close to being done with both of them. I'm worried about not having McCarthy to kick around much longer, as I expect... I'm not worried about having McCarthy to kick around much longer, as I expect he'll be given his pink slip when we inevitably limp to a 7-9 and finish, but Aaron Rodgers is really starting to get on my nerves, and it's not just because bad Aaron came back for the first 50 minutes of yesterday's game, it's because he predictably went into the blame-everyone-else mode when the game was over. I'm sure there's probably at least some truth to what he's saying, but leaders don't throw their teammates under the bus like that, and, as usual after a bad game, Aaron isn't doing nearly enough to take responsibility for the fact that he sucked for most of yesterday's yesterday's game what's that Aaron the team's energy is too low gee I can't imagine why that would be with the signal caller making excuses for yet another game where he posed a sub 50 QBR this team needs Aaron to be a leader and he isn't right now there was certainly a time when Aaron made this team better than the sum of its parts but days like yesterday make me increasingly sure that that time has long since passed and it's right about time for someone with the necessary authority to light a fire under him so a lot of that, uh, a lot in there. Um, I certainly share a lot of that. A um, couple things I want to touch on. First of all, Matt, fun fact: the Packers have never finished seven and nine, so that would be an achievement for them. It would be the first time ever. Yeah, they had a lot of average years in like the the seventies and eighties and stuff. You would ex- have expected them to do that at some point. Yeah, they always got to eight and eight, or uh, I think they've only been six and ten twice. So they've been eight and eight a lot, and if they weren't that, they were usually like five and eleven or four and twelve. Um, what about Aaron Rodgers? I don't know how much you heard of his press conference. Um, I thought that he was a little bit more willing to include himself into the blame in his press conference yesterday, but it was still very much the, um, you know, kind of playing it safe. And I, I guess I'm with you, Corey. I, I, I sense that a lot, and I get it more on the field where he seems to be trying to show people up, and he'll throw a terrible pass, and he'll be motioning like the guy ran the wrong yep. route. And Every time, yep. That's the stuff that really irritates me uh, more so than the press conference stuff. Yeah, I only read about the press conference, so I guess I don't want to comment too much on that, but you're noticing that more and more, and I'm sure it all relates back to him feeling this sort of pressure on himself that he hasn't really felt before, because if when we lost in the past or had you know, a bad season, bad game, whatever. It was always everybody else's fault and because he was still playing so great. Yeah. And it just seems now everything's falling on his shoulders, and I'm sure he's feeling that. He's got to. And I I think he just probably doesn't quite know how to handle it yet at this point. He's just not used to it. Yeah, and, you know, they're human like everybody else. And I guess I don't know how I would want him to react because there's a part of me that would get satisfaction on a, seeing him kind of blow up and call everybody out, but or call himself out or admit that he was terrible, but I I don't know what the appropriate was response would be, to to tell you the truth. Right, and there's so much criticism on him right now that I don't think there is one. If he comes out and he doesn't say anything, he's critiqued. If he, if he does what he did yesterday, he's critiqued. You know, there's really no... Um, no right way for him to do that at this point. I think he's basically going to get, unless he plays great, he's going to get criticized no matter what because everybody's got him under a microscope. Yeah, and Aaron Rodgers, if nothing else, is very dedicated to what he believes to be the truth. And usually, just from my opinion, he he might, everybody always gives yourself the benefit of the doubt, but his version of the truth is usually pretty close. And 
he doesn't want to be disingenuous either because I think it's important that he thinks his teammates believe him and when he's talking to him, he's being genuine. And so if he came out there and said something like, well, you know, I cost us the game today and I'm terrible, I don't think he believes that. And I don't know how his teammates would react because, you know, he he threw a pass that clanked off of Jeff Janis's face that should have been a touchdown and, and ha-ha Clinton Dix had Andrew Luck in his hands and didn't tackle him and Aaron Rodgers certainly doesn't play kick coverage which allowed not only a 99-yard touchdown but a 61-yard return later in the game so I think to him he wants to be a leader but there's a part of his brain that uh, says well it's not true. If I came out here and blamed myself for the loss, that would not be true. And I would rather be truthful than fall on a sword for my teammates. Right. And I guess I don't know. How how would you react to that as a, a former football guy? I mean, to his comments about the low energy and things you're saying? No, I guess, would you rather have a guy blatantly bend the truth to take the blame, or do you respect him more for holding everybody accountable? I don't. It's weird because I think that historically, you always the quarterback's always the guy who eats the blame, and it's up to the media and the fans to say, "Well, like obviously we know that wasn't his fault." So I, I think it is kind of unusual to see somebody do that, especially as a quarterback. You hear that from receivers and things, not necessarily the quarterback. It's kind of their position to just to just do that and let let us decide, I guess. So it, yeah, it, I think that's kind of why it rubbed people a little bit the wrong way. Is it's just because it, you generally don't see that from a quarterback. Well, in in his defense, now I'm defending all the people that I ranted about before, but in in his defense, he's usually heaping praise upon his teammates and mentioning almost all of them by name when they are successful. So, I don't know. For all we know, none of those guys even read or hear about any of that press conference crap. Yeah, yeah, maybe not. I, I'm sure they'll hear about it today because they're all going to be answering questions about it. But I guess as a player in the locker room, you probably kind of agree with what he said, too. I don't think you have much of a problem with it. You just kind of move on. Well, and I would think that they know each other on such a personal level. If they don't like Aaron, nothing he can say is going to matter. Right. And and vice versa, if they like him. Um, and I'm sure there's there's some of both, probably more like him than don't. But I, I think it's it's like somebody at work. If... if all of us have jobs where we're on teams and you have to report to higher teams and, and, and other teams. And if somebody who comes out there and kind of bends the truth, that part of you kind of rolls your eyes a little bit, or, um, you know, maybe if they give you too much credit, you kind of feel a little silly about it. So I, I think, I don't know, for me, I, I think personally that the, the closer you can stay to the truth, the more I take you seriously. Yep. Okay, and uh, the part about Mike McCarthy, do you have perverse glee at the idea that Mike McCarthy might not be the coach of the Packers anymore? Yeah, that's a good way to put it, because I almost <laughs> feel like wrong for saying it, but I just like, I'm, I'm excited at the possibility, sort of, and I, I'm glad I'm not the only one, because I feel kind of like dark, and like it's wrong that I feel this way, but um, I, I think that's that's a good way to put it, because it doesn't feel right, and you feel like this guy doesn't deserve to go, but you just, you're excited at the possibility, and potential for change Ugh. yeah i don't know i guess it depends on uh, this kind of goes to the heart of a uh, personality question are you a half uh, glass half empty or a glass half full c- kind of guy and to me i i can't get the possibility out of my head that the change will not be good um maybe it's partially that i have lost a lot of while i still think aaron Rodgers is really good and he's going to be a Hall of Famer, I've lost the confidence that he can just make it happen with anybody under any circumstances, and maybe that's what makes me a little bit afraid to lose McCarthy. Sure. But who knows? Um, 
I still don't think it's likely that we'll find out what that is like after this year unless things get really, really bad. Um, Daniel Johnson had some topics last week, so we'll try to get to some of them. Um, so one of the things he, he brought up is uh, penalties. He, he thought there are many being called. The New or- uh, Oakland-Tampa game had so many that the Raiders set the new NFL record for penalties in a game. It's making the games unwatchable. And that also uh, kind of can be paired in with the declining ratings, which once again are going down. Um, I don't know how much more we can add to this other than I didn't watch much of the early games. I didn't watch hardly any of the Sunday night games. I don't have a whole lot of enthusiasm to watch tonight's games. And a lot of people I know that are big football fans are doing the same thing. And maybe it's because I watched so much baseball the last few years and especially was glued to my TV for the entire playoffs. And Matt, maybe you could have a better perspective or less biased perspective than me since you don't watch a lot of baseball and you're watching the World Series. But it was such a relief to not have penalties and flags and replays that went on forever, and all of these controversies and the pregame talking about stuff that had absolutely nothing to do with the game. It was just, here's a baseball game. Here are two teams. Here's why this team might win. Here's why this team might win. Let's watch and see who wins. And it was such a relief compared to, it's like Inside Edition watching any of those NFL pregame shows, and then the games start, and it's the commentators running down the product, and their penalties left and right, and teams looking really sloppy. It's just, I hate to be that old guy in the rocking chair yelling at people to get off my lawn, but the product stinks compared to the one we grew up with right now. Yeah, I can't argue with any of that. I'd, I'd, I'd still take penalties and challenges over baseball any day and what the current NFL is. I just Baseball is just not as much for me, but I... I agree that you know that it's sloppy, and I think the penalties do have a lot to do with it. I think that's a good point too. Is I I think everybody's sort of sick of this, and I I know that they're trying to crack down on certain things, but it's just like they, the game isn't evolving to the penalties. I think like they were hoping, and that yeah. they could make changes to the game through the penalties, and instead now we just have a game full of flags constantly. Like you never see a punt return without a flag. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a flag every other play, and big plays are always waved, waved off, and. It's it's frustrating to watch, and so these games that you really have no relevance. Like tonight, I'm I'm kind of excited to watch it, but at the same point, you know, I'd be fine missing it. Mm-hmm. It's just, I think you're right. The point of you know, you and I who used to watch every single second of every single game, uh, maybe our viewing is tapered off, but are others? But I I think I'm hearing the same thing with a lot of people that they're just you know not watching a day and a half straight or two and a half straight, day, straight days of football anymore, like, like they may have used to. Yeah, and. Th- this that kind of sparked a point that I was thinking as well. So uh, the the penalties are definitely a huge problem. And like you said, they, they haven't affected the game like they thought they would. And I think at this point, it's not improving offenses. It's, it's making their more offensive statistics, but they're not scoring more. There's a lot of really long, boring drives that go nowhere. I think what they need to do... And, and and it's going to be hard. It's going to be a hard sell because a lot of this, too, has come up uh, using the idea that they're trying to make it safer for players. But I think what they've done is by reducing some illegal contact and bump and run and over-policing that stuff, they've created a lot more space for these giant collisions to occur. And so I think what they're going to have to do is... It's going to improve the game, I think, and I think injuries will actually be cut down if they allow some more physical play out on the perimeter. 
because that would create less space. There'd be more guys close together, and, and you would think there'd be less of those giant collisions of two guys that have to give each other space and then converge on the ball. I could be wrong, but that's sort of what it seems like. Uh, I don't know. A lot of these like just devastating collisions, you still saw them in the past, but I, I felt like you didn't see them quite as often. Yeah, that's a good enough theory. I don't know if it's true or not, but it makes sense to me. I mean, if you're having less contact at the line, there's going to be more separation and guys running open and just getting destroyed by safety. So, um, and just it's, so many offenses and Packers are are, vict- are culprit number one of this too. It they're almost moving the ball by penalty, which is just yeah. really annoying to watch too. And we're the worst at it, but I mean, it constantly you just basically just try to throw the ball up because you're going to get a flag on it mm-hmm. and. I mean, that's no fun to watch either. Yeah, if I didn't love the Packers, I would hate the Packers. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up is, um, I almost lost that point, but yesterday I was going to watch because I, I watched a whole bunch of college football on, on Saturday, and I've really been enjoying college a lot this year. Mm-hmm. And then I really still wanted to watch football on Sunday, and I turn on the TV, and it's Lions-Vikings and Ravens-Steelers. And I have seen... Those two matchups, I've seen Lions-Vikings probably 50 times in my life, and I've seen Steelers-Ravens probably 20 times in the last five or six years. We always get those games. And, I mean, I know they like to sell rivalries and stuff, but it's to the point now where with the Thursday night and the Sunday night and, and the way that you see the highlights from both channels, it sounds stupid to argue that you're getting too much of something you like but I cannot think of any fresh matchups we've seen everything why am I supposed to be excited about these games that we see all of the time and I don't know if it's the way the NFL schedule uh, falls or or what but um, it just I don't know if it's the television schedule or what I, I feel like I'm having a hard time articulating this point but it doesn't feel like any of the matchups we see are fresh. I can instantly, oh, here's Steelers-Patriots. We've seen that every single year for 15 years. Oh, here's Broncos-Patriots. We've seen that twice a year for 15 years. Why am I supposed to be excited about any of this stuff? Yeah, that's a good point, especially when they still throw those matchups on when the teams aren't that good, like yesterday with Mm Steelers-Ravens. I mean, there was a chance that Roethlisberger didn't even play. But I got got a little bit excited about that um, Raiders-Broncos game last night. Not that it's a new matchup, but that you've got an upstart Raiders team. I mean, that's exciting. Yeah. Or even, you know, the game tonight, even where you have a Bills team that's playing well against Seattle that you don't quite know what to expect. Like, that's good too. Like I can, I can handle that stuff, but I don't really want to watch Eagles giants anymore. <laughs> or, you know, like you said, a lot of those kind of matchups too. It's, it, we talked about this last week too, but like more selective scheduling would be kind of nice. I think, and that might help. Yeah. I, th- I think that would be part of it. And maybe it's just a sense of teams. I mean, we grew up in, the 90s, watching football then, and that was the most tumultuous time in the history of perhaps any sports league. They had a bunch of teams move, they had two expansions, they had free agency dropped on it, and while there still was a whole bunch of teams like the Cowboys and the Packers and the 49ers and Denver that were there every single year, as time went on and as free agency started to get more involved, you'd have these wild swings of teams and I don't I've said a lot of times on this podcast that I don't really like it but the truth is that you kind of need a balance of both I didn't like in the 90s where your Super Bowl winners would be 
six and ten the next year. I mean, that's not cool. But on the flip side, now everybody drafts these good players. They lock them up forever. So you have quarterbacks that are just like Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and a lot of these guys, they've just been there forever. I feel like it's sad like when a guy like Peyton leaves, but part of me is like, I've seen this guy so many times, I'm not even missing him. Mm-hmm. And even though he was on the same team, like when he went to Denver, at least was interesting. You think of teams like, there's guys like Brad Johnson who played forever, but he changed teams every three or four years, and then a new fan base gets excited, and then the old team has to replace him. There doesn't seem to be as much turnover anymore. Sure. And and that's just completely anecdotal. I don't have any stats about it, so it might not be true at all, but that's sort of how it feels. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Okay, um, the NFL Network shows that uh, Daniel Johnson brought up, I have not seen any of them, but it doesn't surprise me that the NFL Top 10 that had playoff finishes had a whole bunch of Packers losses. Uh, I think that's just the name of the game right now, and um, thankfully the Packers won a Super Bowl because they'd be Boston Red Sox level um, sadness right, right. now. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> um, the other ones. Uh, Aaron Foster retired. What do you think about that? Not a surprise. I mean, the guy hasn't been able to stay healthy for five years. I think when we saw him sign with Miami and everybody had these high expectations, I think most of us were like, yeah, he's going to pull a groin or something. That would not actually be able to play, and that's exactly what happened. So, yeah. Um, I mean, pretty good career, I, I guess. I mean, he's not a Hall of Fame level running back, but I, if he could have sustained you know, the level of his first few years over a career, he may have been. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was really good for a few years, but I, I guess not a guy that you're going to miss too much now that he's gone. Yeah, and he seems like the kind of guy who's going to have a successful career of some kind after um, the NFL. He always seems like a thoughtful dude. And Andre Johnson also retired, and he's one of those guys that I know you have brought up on some past crossfires of a guy who gets name-dropped constantly as a Hall of Famer by the announcers, and I don't think I agree at all. Yeah, I I don't believe he will be either. Uh, I think he's... He's obviously more ahead of like where Arian Foster is going to be, just because he did it for a good amount of time. But really, all those Texans teams he were on, he was on, were bad. He was really the only good player for them to target. And I don't know, I, he was explosive. He's big. He's fast. But I, I don't think he did anything to stand out for a Hall of Fame uh, resume. I don't think there's too many guys ahead of him. Well, and I'm looking at him right now. I, I wanted to see his actual receiving yardage for his career, and. He is 30th on the all-time list. He's got two first-team All-Pros. Oh, I'm sorry, 30th career yards from scrimmage. So, gosh, no, he is 10th all-time. I think, I don't think that's good enough. I mean, the the guys, he's he's passed James Lofton, but, you know, James Lofton retired in 1993, so I think it's a little bit different. He's got Steve Smith ahead of him. He's got Reggie Wayne ahead of him. Isaac Bruce uh, Terrell Owens, none of those guys are in the Hall of Fame, and all of those guys, I think, were more dominant. And yeah. I, every single one of those guys I mentioned has a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Uh, Terrell Owens doesn't have a touchdown, but he had 140 yards on a broken leg, so I think that counts. Yeah, and it, it's kind of a he's a victim sort of of the system. I mean, if you put him on the Patriots and he, put, he puts up those numbers, he's a for surefire Hall of Famer. Yeah, um, but I. It happens when you're never relevant your whole career when you were most effective. I guess that kind of happens. Those and if you're going to be on a team like that, you've got to be a guy that um, you know, like that puts up just in completely insane stats and basically is the best player on that team forever. And I, he just never really was was quite that guy. Yeah, you got to be Larry Fitzgerald. Yep. And uh, one thing though that 
talking about Arian Foster and Andre Johnson, it reminds me of the time that the Texans were good and one of the best teams in the NFL for a few years, and I was there for all of it, and I still don't quite believe that it actually happened. Yeah, you're saying that now, and I'm like, when was that? <laughs> what years was that? Uh, 11 through 13. Or no, 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 13, they were 4 and 12, so it would have been, I think, just 11 and 12. They were what? They were 11 like and all 1? all of the shop years, basically. Yeah, but he got there in like 2007, so they just kind of schlocked around for a while. Um, well, I think that was 2012 when the Packers creamed them on Sunday Night Football. They were 11 and 1 at one point, and they were going to be the number one seed, and then they went to New England and got destroyed, and they lost a bunch of games and end up playing one of those epic wild card games against the Bengals. Yep, that, it's all coming back to me now. I, I remember that specifically when they played that game, and I think we both picked the Texans in the game, and everybody mm-hmm. thought they were for real. Yeah, so weird, weird times. All right, let's real quick uh, rapid-fire succession pick the Week 10 games. Uh, so I still haven't inputted. Matt and I have been still picking the games, but we've had a weird set of shows. So um, we finally or I'm in my new house now. I finally have my regular setup. I'm not interrupted by uninvited trick-or-treaters like last week. And I haven't been interrupted by uninvited people trying to sway my vote either, which would potentially happen tonight. Yeah. Um, okay, let's pick... What did I pick? I always type in week 10, and then I press enter into Google when I'm trying to get the, like, week 10 or week 9, and it always gives me links to pregnancy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want to talk about any of that stuff on uh, Green and Gold Forever, that's for sure. All right, so the NFL ratings are down. Uh, the NFL task force has gotten together, and they've got the solution. It's Thursday night. It's Browns-Ravens. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> it's I'm a rivalry. I, I, the Browns are kind of fun to watch, though. I guess that like I'm more into this game maybe than I have been for a lot of the other ones. Um, man, I'm really tempted to pick the Browns. I, I wish it was in Cleveland because I would totally do that. But I guess Ravens coming off a win, I'll, I'll stick with them. Yeah, you feel like the Browns are due... Although I said that yesterday, and then they got slammed. But Yeah, you've almost picked them the last two weeks, and it's a good thing you didn't. Uh, well, I'm going to continue to almost pick them and pick the Ravens this week. <laughs> the Chiefs at the Panthers, who that AFC West is very, very good. Kansas City, with an incredibly quiet 6-2 and two start, travel to Carolina, where the Panthers have now won two in a row. Yep, and Alex Smith sounds like he's going to start. Um Man, this is tough. I'm gonna. I guess I'll go with Carolina. I, the Chiefs are just really solid overall, but I, I think the Panthers still have a potential to turn this thing around. They've got to win games like this at home. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you there. The, uh, I think the Panthers are starting to turn the corner a bit, and they're still not out of it with how lousy the NFC is. So I, I, they just feel like a team that can overwhelm Kansas City, especially at home. The Broncos at the Saints. Oh, this is a tough one to pick. Yeah. I will go with, I guess I'll go with New Orleans at home, reluctantly. Denver's just been so strange since that 4-0 start. Yeah, this is a tough one. That offense just isn't moving now with Trevor Simeon, um, which I guess it seems like a lot of these teams that we had these kind of preconceived notions going into the season, they showed flashes, and now they're kind of all coming back to what we expected of them, <laughs> kind of like Denver, a pretty good defense and an a, you know a really average quarterback that can't get the ball out. Yeah. Um, but I, I'll go with Denver. I guess I still like that defense against New Orleans to slow them down enough. Yeah, it certainly could happen. New Orleans is another fickle team. The Rams at Jets, barn burner. Everybody's going to want to see this one. Yes. Uh, the Jets, the Rams are 
really. I didn't realize Todd Gurley didn't have a run of going into yesterday. I don't know what happened in that game. He didn't have a run over twenty yards. Yeah, year. and I, the only reason I realized is because I was the dumb guy that drafted him first in their fantasy draft. So <laughs> and it's, who wouldn't have thought that he would be good though yeah. this year? Yeah, he was he was on the same team last year and was just killing people and just can't seem to get it going this year. Um, yeah, this is a really tough one. Both teams are calling for backup young quarterbacks to play. Oh, man, the Jets are, not, I think, number one run defense in the NFL, too, so it's not going to get any easier for the Rams. Um, I think I'll agree and pick the Jets here. Yeah. Um, the Falcons and Eagles. This should be a fun one. Um, Atlanta's just a different team on the road, and I think Philadelphia's going to get back on track at home. I'll pick Philadelphia. And this is how I'm going to make up the points that I'm down on you for the for the beginning of the season is you keep picking the, picking the Eagles constantly. <laughs> so I'm going to pick the Falcons on the road here. I think Carson Wentz is not playing well lately. Yeah. Well, I, I, I guess I have no rebuttal for that. I, just, <laughs> I don't know. Um, the Vikings at Washington. Uh, man, I'll let you pick first. Uh I guess you got to go Washington at this point. Minnesota looks so bad. Their offensive line is terrible. Their defense isn't playing as well. And this Washington team seems to remind me a lot of kind of like Detroit. It's basically the same team, it seems like. Um, I don't trust Minnesota at all right now. So this is probably the game they bounce back. But I'll pick the Redskins. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm going to agree with you there for everything you said. That And maybe wishful thinking that while the Packers potentially figure out what's wrong with them, that Minnesota can keep falling back and uh, give the Packers a chance. Let's stay in the division. The Bears traveling to Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers. Ooh, um, you liked what you saw from the Bears last week, but I, I think I, I think I'll go Bucks here. Um, I'm gonna go Bears. Tampa Bay just keeps disappointing me, so I'm, I'm gonna pick Chicago in this one. The Texans at Jacksonville. I'll take the Texans because Jacksonville is terrible and Blake Bortles. Uh, man, I, I need to rewatch those games last year to see how the heck he threw 32 touchdown passes. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, they were doing a lot of it, like, they were still losing. It was a lot of garbage time stuff, but he, he looked good, and this year he just looks horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, man, this is a tough one. I could definitely see Jacksonville pulling this one off. Houston's not real good either, but I, um, uh, I'm going to go upset here. Why not? I'll take a flyer. I'll pick the Jaguars. Yeah, I mean, it's not like Houston's a powerhouse, so that totally right. could happen as well. All right, we got the Dolphins at the Chargers. Uh, we got Red Hot uh, Jar Jar Banks, uh, take, or what is that guy's real name? The the guy's running? <laughs> oh, JJ. Yeah, there. I, I never heard it out loud until he started. Uh, I just saw like read his name, <laughs> and I, I never knew how to pronounce it, so I'd never seen him run. But uh, Melvin Gordon, looking like Wisconsin Melvin Gordon yesterday, and uh, that's certainly exciting to see. Good matchup of good running backs, and we don't see that in the NFL very often. Yeah, thank goodness he's not another Wisconsin running back bust. It looks like after last year, I think everybody thought that was the case. I'll, I'll go Chargers here. They look good now. Yeah, I'll agree. The 49ers at Cardinals. Colin Kaepernick at least looked competent yesterday as a quarterback, but that defense is one of the worst in history. Um, I think they've already given like five running backs their career best games so far this season, and they're on pace to be only the second team ever to allow 3,000 rushing yards. Uh, so I will pick the Cardinals, especially at home. How fast that's fallen. I, they have almost nobody left on the roster from when that defense was really good just like three years ago. Yeah, I'll agree. I'll pick the Cardinals. Yeah, they all retired. It was just a yep. weird... But I guess they built that team predominantly through free agency, and then they had a lot of their young guys either uh, flame out or retire for weird reasons. So weird, weird times. 
Yeah, but I mean, you had Patrick Wilson, Navarro Bowman, were like the best two linebackers in the game, and now one's you know out for the season every year with injury, and one just straight retired. I mean, that you can't do much about that, I guess. Yeah, you never would have predicted that that team would just completely fall apart so soon. They were so good for a while there. The Cowboys at Steelers, which undoubtedly will be our uh, nationwide game at 325. It should be kind of good. At the very least, it'll be really cool uniform matchups. I think Dallas's run finally ends here in Pittsburgh. I'll pick Dow- um, Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm going to agree. Pittsburgh was hard to watch yesterday. Um, Roethlisberger couldn't do much of anything, but you would expect another week of healing, and he's more himself there, mm-hmm. too. I think that this is a tough matchup for that Cowboys defense. Yeah, agreed. On Sunday Night Football, actually a decent matchup. So now I just bemoaned there being no fresh matchups, and Cowboys-Steelers is a pretty fresh matchup. And then Sunday Night Football, we get Seattle at the Patriots in a rematch of the Super Bowl a couple years ago, but we don't see it that often, so it still seems pretty fresh. Um, But Seattle, Russell Wilson has been kind of Aaron Rodgers-esque in his dissension so far this year, Um, that being descending, not dissension arguing with his teammates. Um I'll pick New England at home. Yeah, I will too here. It'll be curious to see what Seattle does this game here tonight, but their offense has been so dreadful. I could see New England just blowing them out. Yeah, that's definitely possible. Um, although, again, yeah, we got to see what Seattle's going to do tonight. But um, I don't even remember who I picked tonight. I think I picked Seattle. But, yeah, Buffalo's kind of – that shine is starting to wear off too on them. All right, Bengals at Giants. Ugh. I mean, it's a fresh matchup. Uniforms you don't see against each other very often, but uh, I don't know if I'm that excited to see this game, but who's going to win it? I'll keep riding the Giants train. They've been doing pretty good for me the last couple weeks. I think these two teams are really similar. You've got some interception-prone quarterbacks, um, but I I think the Giants just have a little bit more firepower on offense. They've got that good run defense. Yeah, I'll agree. Cincinnati, of course I doomed them by picking them to go to the Super Bowl like an idiot, so now they're just going to completely fall apart, and um, I'll pick the Giants to keep winning as well. Uh, Real quick before we wrap up, I I wanted to touch upon the Wisconsin Badgers, who through some help from Ohio State now control their own destiny towards the Big Ten Championship. They were number seven in the country today. The new uh, college football playoff rankings will take place tomorrow, I would assume that seven would be pretty close to where the Badgers are. Um, What do you think of the team now that they got through that gauntlet? They didn't destroy Northwestern, but they pretty much led wire to wire. And I I know you didn't maybe see a lot of that game, but um, how do you feel about Wisconsin? Yeah, I unfortunately missed that game. But, um, I mean, you got to like winning by two touchdowns against a team that just beat Ohio State. Uh, I don't think that's anything to scoff at. I they're just going to keep doing it this way all year. I expect them to win all the rest of the regular season games, just holding teams to seven or ten points. I mean, they they need one or two big plays a game, and they're going to do it. So I, they're definitely prone to an upset, but I just I don't see that defense letting up. I think they make it to the Big Ten championship game. That's going to be tough to get through that, but I, I sure like this team to get there. Yeah, I agree. I think they got a very solid team obviously i'm excited for saturday because jeff george junior is the head or i'm sorry the starting quarterback for yeah. the illini so that should be fun i'll be there oh yeah that's right yeah that'll be a lot of fun have you ever been, ever been to camp randall before i have but it's been since i think the last game i saw i think david carr was the quarterback for fresno state oh wow something. It, it was a, a Fresno State, like, 99-2000 game or something like that. Okay, yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. 
Well, right in the middle of Matt speaking, uh, his computer completely died. So we're going to wrap this up here. The point I wanted to make, and uh, maybe I'll ask for Matt's comments next week, is that while I think the Badgers also uh, will make it to the Big Ten championship game, I very highly doubt at this point that they're going to beat either Michigan or Ohio State. They played them tough the first time around, but I think uh, especially Michigan seeing them the second time, I could see the pa- the Badgers scoring seven once again and Michigan getting much, much, much more than seven. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. It, it would be exciting for the Badgers to get another Big Ten title and, and go to a uh, potentially playoff. But either way, if they can keep it close in the Big Ten title game, they're probably destined for a New, Year- New Year's Six Bowl. However, in a lot of the bowl projections, I see them getting matched up with Lamar Jackson and Louisville, which also could be problematic for the Badgers. But it's been an exciting season where we didn't expect one. We thought this could potentially be uh, Music City Bowl bound or something like that, and they've surprised everyone. So it certainly, at the very least, gives you some uh, optimism for the future of the Paul Christ-led Badgers. So if you want to interact with the show, you can do so uh, by leaving a comment beneath this podcast on uh, Green Gold Forever. That's the number four, but dot podbean.com. You can also leave a comment on the Facebook page where uh, many of you have, and you can submit topics. I know Daniel had some topics, and I hope we got to most of those, but if you ever want to submit uh, your own topics, you can do that there as well. You can hit me up on Twitter, at GreenGoldForever on Twitter, and definitely... Uh, follow the podcast in two different ways on your mobile device. You can do so on the iTunes podcasting app where you can look up Green and Gold Forever and uh, we will show up on there. You can follow us or my recommendation would be to download the Podbean app because on the Podbean app you can follow Green and Gold Forever and you get our complete archives all the way back to the first show. So some of the shows that we, or the games that we referenced, uh, the win over the Texans back in 2012 if you want to hear us talk about any of the big playoff defeats or any of the games last year uh it's all on there so uh, you can kind of make your way through the last few years of green bay packers football so up next they have the tennessee titans um ugh, I, I have no idea who is going to win this game on the road it's going to be tough tennessee has been so hit or miss i would expect the packers to bounce back and win but i don't uh have any or i would not be surprised at all if they lost um i anything could happen for this team the rest of the year, but I will pick the Packers to bounce back. So hopefully we are right and we get to talk about a win and then we can look forward to a further gauntlet as the Packers have three straight road games. And once they finish with Tennessee, we'll have uh, consecutive road games in the NFC East, which turns out to be a pretty good division this year. So format, wherever he is after he lost his connection, I'm Eric Appleton. Thank you so much for listening and uh, take care everyone.